This episode of the Blue Hawaii podcast contains explicit language. You have a full-blooded Japanese grandma, right? That's true. This week I learned that the uh, the word the Japanese word for embracing my culture. Yeah. I learned the Japanese word for telephone is denwa. Denwa. And I learned that the possessive form of the word, or I guess possessive term in Japanese culture is no. And so... No. Uh, I also learned basically how to say, I have telephone. <laughs> how, how do you say it? I have telephone? I think it's, watashi wa. I think that means I am. <laughs> Sorry, uh, hold on. No. Jo- no, hold on. This is uh, right. Hold on. We know for sure at least one listener, friend of the show, Josh Falk, uh, is fluent in Japanese. Yeah, so hold I, on. He can, he can weigh me, in and correct me, us after. I'm thinking, this is what I want to say. I want to yeah. say, watashi wa. Abunai skebe desu. What is that? Just say it. Smart, smart, friendly guy. Yeah, say it. Say it. Say it very slowly. Say, <laughs> my name is Ryan Little. Watashi wa abunai skebe desu. I don't think I want to say that. <laughs> Speaking of... Uh, I feel like I, that means like sexual deviant or something You're like not that. a million miles away. It means dangerous pervert. <laughs> uh, so, oh, uh, so, you know, we're talking about gaijin. Speaking of gaijin, yeah. the white man. Did you see that, uh, that Food Network guy? Uh, he tweeted out, Straight white man is the new N-word. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, immediately uh, dictionary.com tweeted back at him. Here, I'll read this direct quote. Josh Denny is the name of the Food Network guy. He tweeted, straight white male has become this century's N-word. It's used to offend and diminish the recipient based on assumption and bias. No difference in the usage. Mm, so None uh, at all. Obviously, well, this guy's an idiot. Uh, the dictionary.com replies, the N-word is considered the most offensive word in the English language. Straight white male is dot, 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 not. <laughs> <laughs> Who runs dictionary.com's Twitter account? That's a good question. Because uh, they are just knocking it out of the park. Oakland, California is the location. Oh, that's fair. Uh, born in 1995, so they've got a young, sassy millennial That's exactly who needs to run yeah. it. Uh, follow, the, follow for word of the day, word trends, quotes, and more. Yeah, so anyway, we don't need to... Listeners, as two straight white men uh, who will freely use that phrase and not the other phrase. Yeah. Uh, but we only we can say it. Yeah, that is our, that's our That's our words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when uh, when our ancestors first arrived on the Mayflower mm-hmm. and were, you know, in bondage, sold into slavery. Wait, no, actually, that's not, that's not the case at all. That's no, not, it was that's the other ones. Not even a little bit what happened. It was happened. the other guys, yeah. yeah. Uh, Food Network, fire that guy. Yeah. Actually, no, we don't want to... Yeah, fire him. Doesn't yeah. matter. Fire uh, that guy. You don't need, like, anybody who's got an opinion that stupid. You don't want in charge of food mm-hmm. prep. Mm-hmm. Watashi wa abunai skip it. Yeah. We often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced of foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu, Ahui Ho. Howling, howling, Yeah, yeah, is a perfectly good word. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels. And I am Ryan Little. Uh, what's going on? Oh, the Big Island is still somewhat on fire. Yeah, I mean, it just, the lava keeps yeah. coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, Friday morning, I saw the headline uh, 21 fishers on Big Island now, officially. And, you know, I hadn't had any caffeine yet. And I thought, 21 Savage is rebranding. <laughs> 21, 21, 21. Young Pele, why you erupting so hot? Huh? 
let's talk about what we're going to do today. Okay. What are we going to do well, besides it, make really bad rap puns? We've, we, can, we can make a ton of those. Yeah. Um, I think it, this, is, this episode is going to be a little bit of a throwback episode. Uh, we don't have a guest here in the studio. Oh. We had some audio from, we have an interview, yeah. uh, from a, a political candidate. But this one's going to be a little bit more OG, a little bit more little Josh and Ryan action. Um, That's how strangely erotic. <laughs> so I hope you're, hope you're ready to listen to this. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, Josh and I have not seen each other at all this yeah. week. So we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. But And then after that, you'll hear from Mary Wagner, uh, a lovely, lovely woman who is running uh, to replace the recently unseated, resigned in disgrace, House Speaker Joe Suki, uh, representing Wailuku in Maui in the mm-hmm. Hawaii House of Representatives. Uh, you'll hear our interview with Ms. Wagner. Uh, we talked about everything, everything, all things under the sun. Yeah. Uh, it was we were we met her on Bishop Street during rush hour, so you'll hear a lot of ambient noise. It's a little loud. It's a little loud, but you know it really captures the feel, the urgency of life in the Big Pineapple. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, and then also backing it up a little bit, we've got yeah. a Bicky leak. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty juicy Bicky leak. Somebody, uh, one of our listeners was inspired by our last Bicky leak uh, and wanted to double down with additional material about a certain misbehaving member of the Hawaii City Council, Honolulu we, City Council. We also have a lot of juicy news uh, this week. Seems like every week is just the biggest news week in history now. Yeah. Which, welcome to the new normal. Yeah. But, and we're not, we're going to, you know, we're going to try to do it without even mentioning that person's name. Their big orange, oh, troublesome president. Also, we got some shout outs for you this week. Yeah. So everybody, you know, get ready. Buckle up. Here goes. Here we go. Blue Hawaii. As always, this episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. 740 Mo'ova Street in Kalihikai. <laughs> Let's just jump into the news. Yeah. Another school shooting this week, this time in Santa Fe, yeah. Texas, uh, outside of Houston. Uh, reliably, the NRA spin machine hopped into full force, and uh, the, go- the lieutenant governor, excuse me, of Texas blamed the uh, number of entrances and exits yeah. as being the culprit for school shootings. Totally not the thing that people are using to kill people yeah. with so easily. So, so really, what uh, the proposal from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is to reduce all schools to one exit and one entrance and what could go wrong yeah because if uh, if you're trying to hide or outrun a a disturbed 17 year old with the the best way to do it is to funnel everybody into one door yeah so uh if you don't die by gun you probably you might also die by fire or stampede or stampede well what's going to happen then it's just going to be school arsons and you just then you just have people coming in and like setting schools on fire and then just watching everybody basically stampede each other to death as they try to get out the door. It's, it's got morbid really fast. Yeah. Thanks, NRA. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, also, filed under future Maui representatives to resign in disgrace, Kanyela Ng had an even worse week than he did last week. <laughs> Civil Beat reports that Mr. Ng, over a five-year period, 
failed to disclose nearly $29,000 in campaign contributions and $88,000 in expenditures, which is about 62% of his total expenditures. Uh, bank records also show that Ng uses campaign accounts to pay his rent on his personal residence on Maui, his landlord on Oahu, and a visa bill for his domestic partner. The Campaign Spending Commission is asking Ng to reimburse his campaign for $2,344 in personal expenses and to pay a fine for commingling the account. So speaking to reporters at the Capitol, Ng said any errors he may have made in his prior campaigns for the State House were bookkeeping in nature and that he is confident the commission will not find any ill intent or malice. Yeah, I think Which, that's, like, yes, that was Trump's excuse. Shit, I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, listeners, ignore that. Uh, yeah, it's true, you know, innocent until proven guilty. No, There's no proof of intent yet. Um, but when we talk about bookkeeping errors and the phrase used by the Campaign Spending Commission is using your campaign accounts, accounts plural, and like visa bill, landlord. It doesn't sound good, bro. You know, like it's... You're not it, looking as much like a progressive champion as you say you if, are. Even if not malice, like total apathy, I think, and like being, yeah, you know, believing he was entitled to it, maybe something like a like a massive ego. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, I mean, you know, he's talking about how he's the true progressive choice. He wants to get money out of politics. What better way to get money out of politics than to spend it all on yourself? <laughs> he seems to be, have gotten quite a bit of money yeah. out of his politics. Oh, but you know, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. When he says uh, domestic partners visa bill, you think the you think that visa bill was full of campaign expenses? I'm sure it was. The worst part to me, yeah, is that he spent twenty three hundred dollars in personal funds, or excuse me, spent twenty three hundred dollars of campaign funds on personal expenses. How much was that plane ticket to Kiev? Probably about twenty three hundred dollars. <sighs> He's Could, supposed to be serving us. Brah. Well, we've talked about disappointing young politicians, and now we can talk about disappointing old politicians. Like who? Uh, like Big Island Mayor Harry Kim, who, to be fair, has gotten high praise for his handling of the eruptions and everything going on Big Island. Because he's done he, pretty well. He's got decades of civil defense experience, so oh. nobody's saying he's not good at his job. However, uh, he accidentally got super racist at a public meeting and referred to FEMA's coordinating officer, you know, the guy from the federal government who mm -hmm. is uh, helping out Hawaii County, putting all this stuff together, referring to Officer Willie Nunn as, quote, that colored guy in the back there. Who among us has, has not? Jesus. Yeah. Mayor, uh, Mayor Kim, nice Archie Bunker impression. I'm uh, telling you. So Chad Blair wrote this up in Civil Beat. He says, supposedly Nunn laughed it off, you know, credit to him. Uh, Chad Blair says, I admire Nunn's graceful response. His priority is to address a natural disaster, after all. But having a top public official call a black man, quote, a colored guy, in 2018 is not so funny. It's unfortunate. African Americans make up only 2% of Hawaii's population, and it doesn't serve the state well to have such a revered role model spouting racial slang. I had this experience coming to Hawaii yeah. from Alabama, where there's you know, much larger percentage of black people and, and specifically my hometown, yeah. which is, uh, I believe the like actual city is majority black. I kind of came here. And I was like, where's everybody at? Chad Blair also made the point like, well, the, you know, not silver linings. This is a pretty bad silver lining, but like he could have called him Popolo. He could have called him the N word. So like it could have actually been worse. Yeah. I guess that is uh, somehow, better. But then of course, like, so Harry Kim, this is what the article continues, uh, according to Chad Blair. Harry Kim left a voicemail on Chad's phone. Not an apology, but an explanation. 
I called Kim late Thursday to ask him about his remarks. He left a voice message on my phone around 9 p.m. in which he explained that his comments should be understood within the context of how proud he is of Hawaii, especially as compared to other places. And somehow the (laughs) quote... This is especially saying we didn't lynch anybody. Ryan's yeah, Ryan's already laughing, so we know how good this is going to be. And somehow the comment I made in that context got twisted into racism. Yeah, I guess that's the sadness of where we are today, because Mm. that is the reality of where we are today. And we are talking about something that came up because I'm proud of Hawaii and the mixed ethnic groups and blending and working and playing and making fun and all. Except for black people, we haven't mixed them in yet. I realize that that is the world, or Micronesians, that is the world today. But that's their problem. Or Vietnamese. I am not making mine. Thank you. So basically, Mayor Kim double double. Oh, that's Hawaii. It's all different. We make fun of everybody. You know, oh, bra, it's all yeah. mixed up kind. Which is one, basically saying everybody's racist. Yeah, one, uh, Hawaii is not the racial harmonious melting pot we think we are. No. Uh, no matter how many times we lie and say that's true, it's a very diverse place. It's an incredibly diverse place. Yeah. However, this attitude by people like Mayor Kim, and it's a generational thing for sure. But a lot of people just don't get it. No. They don't. They. It's hard here for black people. When yeah. I. So when, when we first moved here, Jordan was working for a solar company and uh, all the construction guys were mostly Hawaiian, yep. Filipino, and uh, there would occasionally be a black guy that came into the group and they would rag on that guy all the time. Yeah. Like they would say he's not as smart because he's black. He didn't work as hard because he was black. It's like, it's all, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of racism towards black yep. people here. Yep. Like there's a reason they're only 2% of the population. Yep. No, it's that's terrible. Yeah. So, Harry Kim, grow up, bro. Yeah. That's all I got. Uncle Harry, shame on you. Civil you know beat. what? Say, say what you want about Billy Kanoi. At least Billy Kanoi would have had the goddamn good sense not to... Never mind. <laughs> so something else uh, that I saw in Civil Beat this week. This is basically just the Civil Beat quoting episode. Yeah. Uh, so remember all that drama that we just went through mm-hmm. over with like the police commissioner finding a new chief like everything the Lohas are doing listeners if you haven't heard uh, check out episode 15 with professor ken lawson where we dig into this um and now the city council is introducing a bill to let to to undo all of that and basically let the mayor's office pick the chief now because there aren't at all any concerns about police unions being too politically powerful no have, conflicts of interest have, there. Yeah, to have effective uh, discipline and like self-enforcement, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what could possibly go wrong? Also, according to KHON, yeah. starting Tuesday, a new contractor called Dive Oahu is taking over two concession stands, which provide surf lessons, canoe rides, and surfboard rentals in, I, Wa- in I Waikiki. I saw this. They're getting rid of the old Waikiki Beach Boys, right? Yep. They're being pushed out. Yep. <sighs> according to people who work there, yeah. it's... They're not in favor of it. Yeah. Uh, And I can see the pros and cons. So the pros of having this guy come in is they're going to get benefits, including healthcare, retirement plans, things like that. Uh, The downside is it's going to be run more like a corporate store. And so uh, currently I've heard they make 25 bucks an hour cash. Yeah. Now they're going to be making W-2 employees. They're going to be paying a lot more in taxes. They're going to be paying for healthcare and all this. Uh, Also, the unspoken story that I have heard, I can't confirm this, but what I've heard is that the guy that owns Daibawahu is a total dick and <laughs> that he brags yeah. uh, to people about putting companies out of business. Really? That's what I've heard. I don't, I can't substantiate <sighs> that. So uh, that may not be true, but yeah, that's, that was this, a very pervasive yeah. rumor. This week in how pervasive rapacious capitalism is destroying Honolulu and the state of Hawaii. 
Could, that would be a good weekly series, right? Also, a certain city council member yeah. who is running for re-election right now okay. for the Kaimuki district yeah. apparently endorsed this idea, this takeover. Oh, this Beach Boys thing? Yeah. The push- that was uh, Trevor Ozawa. Yeah. Well, from you know, from what it sounds like, uh, hey, I mean, you know what? I'm sure uh, I'm sure this Dive Oahu guy... Uh, Maybe he greased the right palms? Visited, you know, made his concerns known in a private meeting in a very private meeting maybe a little uh you help me wet my beak i help you wet your beak absolutely man i yeah. it happens all the time here and yeah. for us to act like especially it doesn't... look at like look at kakako look at everything going on in the city like oh, with the developers sure. like s- palms are getting greased uh i've heard that for a uh state legislator yeah. if you want a private meeting uh the typical offering is about a grand to their campaign damn yeah I, I again can't substantiate that but yeah. i've heard that's the market rate so for all of you listening at home uh if you want to contact your representatives and ask them uh why it is that it takes a thousand dollars to get a substantial meeting with them yeah maybe it might be a beneficial thing to do <sighs> also there goes all of our access yeah <laughs> the giant crash you just heard yeah that's us losing all our leaks oh uh, 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 yeah yeah, maybe politics wasn't the right field to get into. No. Oh, well. What are you going to do? Uh, should we talk about international news? Let's talk a little bit. Yeah. So, um, hey, maybe, you know, seeing uh, the end of one tentatively agreed nuclear disarmament deal with a slightly rogue state uh, was not the best precedent to set before trying to move forward our peace with North Korea because that is on the rocks again. I love that conservatives were hailing i yeah. saw somebody ask uh on like facebook or something can did any president ever have a better week than what donald trump just had i said it again i'm sorry and Ugh, uh that, that was the week that they said oh they're gonna meet and then now it's like oh actually we n- we might not meet yeah we maybe we're just screwing with you guys yeah. like everybody said the entire yeah. time yep. we just wanted some concessions and wanted to make you look bad yep and why would they like why would they, you know, having just seen what Trumpy did to the Iran deal, why would they get back into it? You said it again. I know. Shame on me. I think we should just absolve ourselves yeah. of that idea that we're not going to be able to say it. No. Basically, uh, North Korean peace, yeah. It's it looks like it's going to happen more quickly than what we thought. Yeah. Uh, but you know who might screw everything up. Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of what he does. Yeah. I don't know if you, I mean, this and week. And right-wing media yeah. will cover for him. Yeah. <sighs> well... You know, whatever happens on the Korean Peninsula, there's almost certain to be more conflict, bloodshed, uh, bullshit in the Middle East, as usual, uh, now that the Iran deal is out. And this week, we officially consecrated the new embassy in Jerusalem. Consecrated. Yeah. Thanks with King Cyrus, Donald Trump. Uh, you said it again. I'm just, I'm over it. Let's yeah. See. We're going to say his name. Yeah. We're going to call him well, by his goddamn name. Anyway, you know, Sheldon Adelson... He wanted the embassy moved. He wrote a $30 million check to help the House Republicans win this November. Uh, Which hopefully it's yeah. off or not. Yep. Uh, Israel has killed more Palestinians at the Gaza border in the past six weeks than East Germany killed crossing the Berlin Wall between 1961 and 1989. They just, they're, I mean, they're doing it like for sport. Yeah. It's like, what, 50 people the other day? That's like fish in a barrel. Yeah, literally 50 people yeah. who are just like approaching the wall and yeah. they just shot them to death. Now, this is a very nuanced issue, but of course, uh, there's no room for nuance in Middle East debates because uh, trying to count, you know, 
trying to be fair to one side, I'm going to get labeled a Zionist pig. Trying to be fair to the other side, I get labeled a self-hating Jew. So there's, a, there's, a, there's way too much to get into on this right now to do it justice in this time, especially because, you know, like, we're tired, we're cranky, we're pissy, it's hot. Uh, we're hoping to speak with one of our friends uh, who's actually in D.C. working on security in the Middle East. Uh, she's with the Truman National Security Project, and we'll hopefully uh, set up a Skype or a Google Hangout with her soon, and you guys can hear from a real expert who's really working in the field. Yeah, I like what you said about there's not room for nuance no. anymore because it's no become this weirdly polarized issue. People but like, refuse to... We should at least yeah. be able to say, like, okay, killing small children, yeah. shooting children to death yes. is not does not require much nuance people, to just outright condemn it. And people are so committed to their ideological end. Like, if you're... If you support the Palestinians, like, which, you know, as human beings, they have basic human rights that, you know, everybody should support. But then, like, you taking that to the point where you can't admit that, like, hey, maybe Hamas is a bad organization full of bad people. And along that same point, like, the flip side of that is if you're so invested in, and this, this is not counting, like, the extreme religious fundamentalists on both sides who believe like total dom domination and conquering is the only end goal. If you're so invested in bolstering Israel's image that, or, you know, you like you're willing to compromise the sanctity of human life yeah. to achieve if, if, like naked political ambition. If you're, if you're so admit, if you, if you can't admit that like, Hey, maybe turning this got territory into an open air prison is not the most helpful thing in the long term for like building trust and relationship between God, it's two awful. peoples. Uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, and you can't, if you live in Gaza, you can't leave. No. Like, it's like, it's not like you can just like take a flight and just like move to like anywhere else in the world. Like you don't have freedom of movement. No. Like, I don't think people in America understand. I think they I think they think that it's really, truly just a territorial dispute yeah. and think that, like... Oh, they're protecting our border. Like, they're, like, they're protecting their borders. These yeah. guys, if they want to leave, they can just go around. Like, just go live, you know, you're, yeah. you're Arab. Go live in the Middle East somewhere. Yeah. Go to Iran. But it's, like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, they don't let you leave. Yeah. The U.S. is so culpable in this because we have a bunch of evangelicals yeah. who believe that Israel has this birthright, yeah. uh, no pun intended, for all you Jews listening, uh, Israel has this birthright to own this land. Right, because they need it to bring back Buddy Jesus. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it, well, no, no, for, so it, having as, been on the evangelical yeah. side of things, it was really more of like a, well, that's what God said. He said it's theirs. It's yeah. their promised land. Like, Because yeah. the thing about evangelicals is they act like they want the rapture to come quickly. Yeah. But I think deep down they really don't because you don't see them living like people who really believe that heaven is a well, real place. Yeah, because if the rapture was really coming, it would be bad for the bottom line, right? Well, like, it, you need to keep the grift going. I mean, it's if you look at Robert, like the guys who the 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 the, the ministers, you know, the American ministers who prayed at the ceremony, the embassy ceremony, have both said like. Uh, Judaism, Islam, like will send you to hell. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's, it's a. They don't believe that no. the Jews are saved. No. Like they don't believe that they're a, a holy people with whom like God still has favor. The evangelical narrative is yeah. that all of that passed whenever they rejected Jesus. Yeah. So, the only reason yeah. to support Israel is 
because number one, yeah, uh, it helps the land geopolitically. Was their promised land. It helps geopolitically and keep down all those two, dang Muslims. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It's a geopolitical and thing. I think you're seeing more and more, and this is something we'll get into in future episodes with future guests. Um, American, you know, American Jews by and large trend to the left. You know, voted Obama, probably voted for Hillary. Uh, the ones who are like fully on board with Trump, they'd be the first to go. Well, yeah, that's the, the the one huge irony in all of this thing in all of this is making alliances and Bibi Netanyahu has made alliances with, you know, Viktor Orban in Hungary. Uh they're ideologically on the same wavelength with Trump, Pence, Bannon, all these people who are justifying Israel what Israel's extreme policies, not for any like love of the Jewish people, not that that would be a good thing because you know, I believe everything, a lot of what I'm seeing goes counter to like what my understanding of Jewish values are supposed to be. Um, basically, they decided, and it's not even, the fundamental Christian alliance is one thing. Like there's an explanation, there's history there. The just out and out alliance with the hard right, nas- the nationalist right. The secular nationalist The secular right. nationalist right who are the very first people to like... As soon push, as they go after the gays, the blacks, and yeah, the transgenders, like, you're next on the yeah, list. When push comes to shove, you like yeah. no, it's 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 just absolutely bananas. Uh, and I think, and something to get into, because of the way, especially like generations older, like my parents' generation, my grandparents, uncles' generation, aunts' generation, uh, Israel sort of became synonymous with American Jewish identity. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like especially as you know as the population american jewish population became more secular and more assimilated uh israel and like allegiance to israel became pretty much the like the standard talking point for sure and like uh, the commonality like that was supposed to like tie your experience together and what it Mm -hmm. meant to be jewish and because like all the like the big wigs the big donors the big money players all were very invested in it too as well so uh, you're seeing a big break in our generation among young Jews. You're, you know, being grown up, being told, you know, the narrative of Israel is like David and Goli- it's like David, David and Goliath, like the skinny kid in the bad neighborhood. You know, fought all these wars, like has tried to inv- like was tried to invade so many times, blah 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 blah. And because the story of just how miserable life is for the average Palestinian is not told in American media, you know. The Onion recently has been more objective and critical oh, sure. about what's been going on. Yeah, and it's you know it, it it it's and my thoughts are not super articulate here, but at the same t- everything that's been happening since Trump got into office, uh, the reemergence of a hard right, especially like anti-Semitism in daily American yeah, life, yeah, just popped right back up. Yeah, as lo- along with really virulent racism, homophobia, sexism, everything else that's coming up. I think a lot of young American Jews are realizing one, we've been lied to pretty much our entire lives. Oh, sure. Uh, and virtually nobody outside, uh, has our best interests at heart. Uh, people like Bibi Netanyahu, the Israeli government, they want more Jews to move there to outpace the Arab population growth. They don't care uh, if, you know, anti-Semitism is like totally resurgent in Europe. They don't care that it's totally resurgent in America, except to exploit it and show 
that no you don't really belong there you belong here it's an authoritarian playbook thing yeah. where it's you know you to, only we yeah. can help you yeah. i'm the guy to, yeah. to to save you i mean it's the yeah. same thing that that trump did with white america yeah. here which is yeah. to say Maybe and trump are two you know for for trump not being a politician uh, a lot of what he does and would be like what bb does is right out of each other's playbook well it's because they're they're not politicians they're authoritarians yeah. i mean it, you know it came out this week yeah. that uh the qatari government yeah it's, and it's, i believe the saudi government yep. offered trump help in the election yeah. and it's not because they're like-minded policy wonks it's because they are authoritarians yeah. And you're exactly right. Real recognize real. Yeah. And authoritarians recognize authoritarians and they want to they want to propagate. And Simil- similarly, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, you, you just mentioned, uh, I guess, uh, Prince Prince Zalman, when he was supposedly uh, in America, he supposedly said, like, oh, the Palestinians need to learn how to solve their own problems, something like that. So they especially because of the threat from Iran and the fact that other Arab governments are kind of just abandoning the Palestinians, especially in Gaza. Israel has become closer to Saudi Arabia, to Bahrain than ever oh, before. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not because of these people have any great affinity no, for Jews. That's the it's, thing. This <laughs> is because geo, it's geopolitics yeah. at work. It's, it's cynical, authoritarian geopolitics Well, I mean, we're, we're super close to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And we, I mean, Trump. Oh, they Trump, hate America. Yeah, Trump, you know, for all his talk about he's going to, you know, get us out of these pointless alliances. Remember the photo of him like being given like the big gold chain. The, the inner oh, I was talking about the, the, the intergalactic yeah. like no, orb of souls that they all like, touched. Just like what would have happened if Obama had gone to Pyongyang to visit North Korea. It's he just gets to double down and get away with all the worst American imperialist hypocrisy, authoritative impulses and hypocrisies. Yeah, and we could talk about this for a million years. We probably shouldn't. No, it's only going to depress you it's, guys. Yeah. Um, and but you need to know about it nonetheless. I, yeah. You know, what's what's funny thing about this podcast is I've gotten this from a lot of people, which yeah. is I don't like watching the news. Yeah. I don't like uh, reading CNN yeah. or whatever, but I kind of like listening to you guys. Yeah. So we're we're doing our best to report yeah. and comments on it with, the, the with thing, a thing yeah. that matters yeah. to young people here. And I feel myself stuttering so much because I'm a lot of the stuff, you know, I'm still thinking through positions. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know your understanding and your conceptualization of your own identity and how it relates and sure. your political identity, your social identity, what it means to be an American, what it means to, you know, uh, 23andMe comes back with your DNA ancestry report, but what does that mean in the real world? You know yeah. what I mean? Like you ha- like, and it's, it's funny too, like for, for exactly this debate, uh, a nominally young Amer- or a young American nominally evangelical and a young American nominally Jewish, like, we're actually like trying to flip the script on so much of the status quo for our yeah Middle East misadventures. I think I mean, well, you've got to. What's the other option? It's yeah. like we're clearly like it's not working, yeah. and and so many things are changing. Yeah. I mean, you talk about sort of evolving identities, and yeah. I I feel that all the time. I mean, I I think I feel like I reevaluate what does it mean to be a Christian in yeah. 2018. Not oh, yeah. only just it's, in the United States, but in in Hawaii in particular, in Honolulu, like the thing in my that, job, like you, I reevaluate yeah. that stuff all the time. The thing that gets me too is the way that uh, we've centered Americans have centered our identities as like the truest examples of those identities. Oh like, sure, like you know when Mike Pence uh, went on his trip to the to the Middle East, you know, like he didn't give a shit about meeting with the Palestinian Christians. No, the the OG Christians, right? Like the guys who have been there from like from day one. Yeah. And like they said, hey, you know, we're kind of upset about this embassy move. You don't give a shit. No. 
He only cares about like the the thing about evangelicalism is yeah. it, it is it intermingles. Uh, I would also say I reject the nominal evangelical. I would say nominally Christian. Nominally Christian. No, sorry. Yeah, but I'm. You know, I mean, evangelical if, in terms of yeah, but I don't know. I don't. That, that would I, be the if somebody. I feel like evangelical is like a four letter word these days. It's, lo- it's a loaded term. But sure. yeah, I I I would say people like the evangelical having come out of that tradition. Yeah. Also, the other problem. The other problem when you say evangelical is as that category of people when you're talking in political terms, you're only talking about white right of center exactly. evangelicals. There are yeah. plenty of black evangelicals exactly. on the left. There are plenty of Hispanic evangelicals yeah. on the left and on the right. It's, but it's, it's essential. We basically essentialize everything. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's, it's like, I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm in a very, I think I'm in a, a part of a broader community than yeah. what TV would tell you. I think yeah. there's a lot more Christians who are left of center uh, or even far left of center than what is reported but yeah i mean you know the tradition like coming out of the tradition the evangelical tradition is like it's a very uh, weird experience because there's this uh intermingled like manifest destiny with like the protestant work ethic with like uh this notion of uh of like guts to glory bomb people into submission And that's what brings about peace. Yeah. And so it's like you got to ignore a lot, or you not ignore. You got to look past a lot of you you evidence to arrive at the conclusion of that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you, uh, when you are a guy like Pence, yeah. or when you're when you're a guy like you know uh, Falwell, yeah. or any of these other like blatantly political yeah. pastors, it like you're ignoring the great weight of evidence that what you're saying is wrong in defense of nothing. Yeah. You're not, you're not pursuing anything. There's no power. There's no mandate that I believe what you believe in order to achieve the same ultimate end, which is salvation, right? There's, there's nothing that requires that. There's no, I've never met a teaching that says, or never read a teaching that says that you need to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. But you, by the way, you need to also believe in America. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, that's nowhere. Yeah. And there's nowhere that that forces that acquiescence, but... Well, that's also, like, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, English-speaking Jesus. That's, exactly. That's the, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, it's like you said, we've essentialized everything, yeah. and essentially, uh, they don't believe what Jesus yeah. says. Oh, man, I feel you about... Uh, the whole if we're talking semantics like the word the word evangelical like how about the word zionist yeah that's the exact same thing yeah like if you would ask and i'm sure like if you would asked me like 10 years ago i would have been like yeah i'm sure i'm a zionist but yeah. like now that's become one well, it's been practically a slur mm-hmm. um and again because because anti-semitism works so differently than uh the other big pathologies like uh, you know, anti-black racism, anti-brown sure. racism is about people on the bottom, people being lesser. Mm-hmm. But especially for for Jews who can pass as white or, you know, well, Jews who identify as white because if you ask, like, the people who actually care about whiteness, you know, like, we'll never count as white. But to people on the left, you know, people of color who are being victimized by white supremacy, they may, you know, they have res- some resentments too because, like, you know, you know anti-Semitism, that's different. Uh, because it's based on like being powerful and controlling shit behind it and you know being a, a malign influence on the world um 
so now there's the big like if you're if if you're trying to be on the left and trying to have solidarity with all these people you're all you're not scapegoat but like scrutiny you're there's a whole another layer of scrutiny and it's like i was saying before like if you try to have anything with nuance you know you're either a, a self-hating jew like no better than the no better than hamas uh who would be like who had been a capo like you know helping out in the concentration camps mm-hmm. or you know you're a zionist pig the blood of the palestinian children is on your hands and i'm like guys i'm just trying to figure out what to have for lunch today yeah you know what i mean like the world is too tough for these i would also to to put a bow on my thoughts yeah. on uh anti-semitism in the united states right now yeah i'm just glad that the jews seem to be the one group that the people in the south have left alone <laughs> I never yeah, encountered it, anti-Semitism it down so, south. It's so crazy. Um, there and you know this is right in the argument that uh, oh well, white supremacy can coexist with anti-Semitism. Is I believe Jefferson Davis had a Jew in his cabinet. Yeah, in the, in the Confederate cabinet. They, you know the the South is they're very. I mean, there's. I mean, there's, just don't let them into your country club. <laughs> there's that didn't even matter, man. I mean, all the big uh, all the big lawyers in Alabama are still Jewish. All the like. There was a large Jewish community in yeah, my but, hometown growing up. Uh, like, what's his What's his name at the SPLC? Right? Isn't he like oh, there's a Cohen? race race baiting agitator? Yeah, Richard Cohen. Isn't it Richard Cohen? No, uh, it's Mori- Cohen though. Mo- Modis. Like, it used to be Cohen was SPLC. The, uh, the original. Like, I went to school with his, with his sons for a while. Okay. Nice guy. Speaking Until of, I Co- found out he was a Democrat. Speaking of Cohen lawyers, uh, thank you, Michael Cohen, for disproving the anti-Semitic stereotype that <laughs> Jews are competent lawyers. Yeah. He, <laughs> He uh, he yeah. took that trope in the wrong direction by about ten degrees. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, thank you for yeah. letting us talk we hashed some this stuff one out. out. Yeah. yeah, this is the first time we've really had this conversation, probably even interpersonally. It's yeah. not something we often talk about. Yeah, and this is just something you know. Again, like that's what we're here for. As of November 2016, we live in a very brave new world, and it, it requires us to like figure out what exactly we're doing i just wish that we didn't have to have so many existential yeah. thoughts yeah. in our head right it's, now it's xanax is good for that and also <laughs> i mean like you know the i mean sigmund freud invented psychoanal- psychoanalysis right so like this is in my dna to just like agonize and like overthink all this shit that's it we'll we'll have more about that soon uh unless the rapture happens probably won't hasn't in a while and <laughs> You're not going to know if it does. Yeah. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Ladies and gentlemen, after our incredibly depressing talk about Israel and Palestine, we bring to you a much more cheerful topic. Wikileaks. So, uh, if you remember last Wikileak, we shared a story about city councilman Trevor Ozawa Maybe pulling some shenanigans, uh, a shenanigan or two. Yeah, and getting, uh, getting using city resources to cite and fine folks who wouldn't put up his yard signs. Uh, one of our listeners, that story resonated with her so much uh, that she got in touch with us over Facebook Messenger. Which you know, all all submissions are held in the strictest confidence. So if you guys got anything, yeah. send them our way. And if you send it over Facebook Messenger, remember it'll just be the two of us, Mark Zuckerberg. And Cambridge Analytica reading it. So totally. Well, Cambridge anonymous. Analytica is going out of business. That's so it's okay. going to be their next incarnation. Yeah. But anyway. Steve so, Bannon will know. Steve, <laughs> so just gossip, which does not have anything to do with politics. But when I worked at Nordstrom, I hated when he would come shop. He returned $500 worth of ties. 
five hundred dollars worth of ties. Yeah. Who's who's buying five hundred dollars worth of ties? Somebody who knows their uh, time is gonna, limited, or they're going to be able to get that five hundred dollars back. Uh, also, uh, the, he and his wife returned a used car seat after their daughter outgrew it. Used car seat. That's like giving back a used condom. Oh. The useful ability of it to be resold is oh. gone. He oh, and she follows up. He didn't even have the guts to go return it downstairs in the men's section. He came up to the third floor and returned in a women's department when we were about to close. Which, when, she, when she was talking about that, I guess she was talking about the ties? Yeah. Also, there's a big problem with him buying clothes en masse and then just returning everything back. Yeah. Which is like, look, that's 100% your prerogative. You can do that if you want to. Feel yeah, free to use any store you want. Sucks, as your... for, sucks for the lady working on commission, but it's, though. That's the thing is it sucks for the people yeah. who are working on commission. Like, You're... Just go in, try some clothes on like a normal human being, yeah. and then be done with it. Now, I will confess, yeah. uh, if anybody in my wife's side of the family is listening to this, uh, they will let you know that uh, my mother-in-law is the queen of this. I, I, so I, I will say all of this, I'll temper all of this with, I understand how a person could do this uh, should their life require it. However, when you're an elected official, you're held to a higher standard. So behave better. Mr. Ozawa, you're on notice about your shenanigans. Yeah. Stop doing that crap. Yeah. Now, who do you think, if you dug deep into it, who has who's done more shenanigans based on just these stories you've heard, uh, Kaniella or Trevor? Who do you think is more shenanigany? They both kind of cut from that same cloth, huh? Like yeah, I'm the I'm kind of hot shit. Like yeah, this ain't my money. I can do what I want. Uh, gun to my head. Yeah, Trevor. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, he's been yeah, in power longer. He's already got the develop like the developer money. Yeah, yeah Kaniella used to pretend. He, Trevor's just like he's like old boy. Yeah, he's kind of from the old boys club. Yeah. Like. I mean, you know, like yeah. he's he's had the structure favoring him the whole time. Yeah. You know, for for all of Kanye's shortcomings, I think I don't think a lot of it's due to malice. I think it's due to ignorance and yeah. hubris. Yeah. And I think that uh, I don't think Trevor Ozawa ever had to walk the door, like walk door to door in his district until there were holes in issues. Yeah. And I mean, I the guy needs some PR help. He needs some leadership classes or something like that and probably needs to learn a little bit about not commingling campaign funds but i think fundamentally at least when he started out i don't think he started out as like a darth vader i think he started out as an anakin yeah you know what i'm saying and i don't think he's a darth vader now no. but he's certainly in that hayden christensen phase <laughs> he's the potential is there you know what i'm talking about yeah. like right before he went and killed all the ewoks in that one scene and like the so Anyways. like, so if like if he loses the primary, is he gonna turn on like all the young progressives, like the, how Anakin killed all the little Jedi's? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, he might. Yeah, and Jedi's not Ewoks, right? Oh, I thought he killed Ewoks. I'm sure he killed. I'm sure but he went into that village and yeah. he just killed everybody that one time. That was I, like the, okay, cards on the table. I did not watch all of those Star Wars movies. I've watched the ones since. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, it was Adam Driver. He was the one that went in and killed the Jedi's, right? No, um, listeners. Yes. No, because Anakin definitely in episode three, execute order sixty six or whatever Palpatine did, right? And like then he killed all the Jedi apprentices. Oh, see, I think we're talking about before that. I'm talking yeah. about before that. He like his mom had died, and he went into some village at night and just wrecked shit. I think Adam Driver also like in a in a 
enraged grief over his mother, like killed a bunch of people too. Yeah. I so think we're listeners yeah. get at us. Listeners, which yeah, Sith Sith is bad. Yeah. The Sith the Sith the Sith ain't good. Yeah. Um anyways, I think Kanyella deep down has the beginnings of a good person. And I think yeah. he could be a good politician. Do you but think right he, now he's really bad. Do you think he like believes what he says he believes, or do you think he's all all talk, try to get elected? I think he believes it. Okay. I do. I think he believes it. Yeah. Um another Bicky leak. Yeah. Apparently. Mayor Caldwell yeah. of Honolulu. That's Kirk Caldwell of Uncle Kirk. Build that rail fame. Oh, gosh. Was recently at AT&T to buy a power cord and didn't want to wait two minutes in line. I think he tried to maybe play the mayor card a little bit. Uh, do you know who I am? He played the, and they said, uh, Howley guy from Hawaii Five-0. And he said, no, I'm the mayor. And then he got mad. And then I, I think he left. So, uh, and but I hey, think we have, if it's any, if it's any consolation, he may get to pick the police chief again. So <laughs> silver linings. He'll call the police on him. Yeah. Uh, just another white guy calling police on Seriously, people of color. <laughs> white people. Knock it off. Yeah. Jeez. I said it a couple episodes Goodness. ago. Okay, last Bicky Leak for this week. This is a juicy week for Bicky Leaks. Okay. Uh, we were recently made aware of a poll showing uh, favorability ratings yeah. for the three major Democratic candidates for governor. It's uh, it's something. I was, I was very surprised. It's, this is so it's stark. Uh, so. Governor Ige, the incumbent, is sitting at an even 42 favorable, 42 unfavorable. Dead even. 15 no opinion. Uh, Congresswoman Hanabusa has 64 favorable, 19 unfavorable, 14 no opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Clayton He, the third candidate in the Democratic primary, is at 19 favorable, 27 unfavorable, 41 no opinion. You think it's just from his, his brother? But I mean, forty-one no opinion. I think yeah, he's true. he's got a ton of no. So he, he he just needs to get his name out there. Yeah, which we look forward to doing when we chat with him soon. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Stay tuned for that. Uh, anyway. Candidate he will be coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and you'll be hearing from him. Very very excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Should we tease our other interviews or should we keep them in the back pocket? Uh, uh, we've got some. We've got some good ones. We got guys. some real good ones. We're scheduled. If you guys like local politicians and state politicians, have we got a month for you? I think we've got like six interviews in the next three weeks or something like that. Um, do we want to do you want some more poll numbers yeah give me another poll number looking at only those who say they will definitely vote in the democratic primary Hanabusa has a lead of 57 to 21 over Ige yeah where's he at I guess it's 21 21 21 no no he H-E-E oh he not that's that was just those two in that sense okay okay so that was Bicky Leaks Bicky Leaks what Trevor Rosado do this week (laughs) Blue Hawaii I want a Cobra. Oh, Cobra for the Hawaii sun. I want to prove it on my own, cause I just don't trust you with my crew. Don't drink tequila. From my casita. It's my drink for all seasons. Thanks to home brew. 
can say this beer ain't good enough I can brew my own to get me drunk I can make my wine to better suit your mood Cause I went to homebrew If you're feeling thirsty in Honolulu Just wait a while, go get some gear down at homebrew They also help with cider and your kimchi too, yeah 740 Mova, a streak of yeah Welcome back, listeners. As we mentioned, we are going to play some audio for you. We've got an interview that we did with Mary Wagner, who's running for the State House to represent Wailuku uh, on the island of Maui. That seat was held for a very long time by Speaker Joe Suki until he was forced out for credible allegations of sexual harassment. Resigned in disgrace. Resigned in disgrace. Uh, Mary also wrote an article that just got published in Civil Beat this week in Campaign Corner about how sexual harassment policies need to change at the Hawaii legislature. Her article is titled, Sexual Harassment Requires Action Now. Not going to go over favorably with the old boys club. <laughs> go check it out. Read that article um, and stay tuned. We're going to talk to Mary. Sorry, sorry, sorry about uh, some of the ambient noise and audio. We were out chatting with her on Bishop Street during rush hour. Uh, you know, walking the streets, meeting the people, bringing you the authentic H&L Big Pineapple experience. Rush hour is noisy. You're going to hear some trucks. You're going to hear some... There's a waterfall in the background. There's it's kind of pleasant. That was, that was pleasant. Yeah. A um, couple times... There's uh, some wind noise. Auntie and Uncle Custodian walked by with the same, like, mop bucket uh, on wheels, maybe like seven or eight times. So it's going to be edited. Yeah. It'll be heavily edited. It's not a straight up interview as we normally do. Yeah. Uh, but we we're think do, it's enough to give you an idea. We're doing the best we got. We're yeah. doing the best we got. It's enough to give you an idea of who Mary Wagner is. She's awesome. She's a great woman. We think you'll like her. Without further ado, Mary Wagner, ladies and gentlemen. We are here today with Mary Wagner, who is running for the state legislature on the island of Maui. People, we heard your cries. We want to give you stories from neighbor islands, and that's what we're going to do. So, uh, Miss Wagner is running as a progressive candidate uh, for uh, resigned in disgrace, semi-convicted sexual harasser. Only in the only in the court of public opinion. Yeah, never convicted officially. Probably should have been Joe Suki's seat on Maui, and we are delighted to be interviewing her at Ferguson's Irish Pub uh, in downtown Honolulu. Uh, so you will hear a little bit of background noise. Listeners, we call this uh, Alfresco Dining. We're here. Uh, it's about 5 p.m. on a Monday afternoon. Uh, we're very happy to be joined by Mary. And with that, Mary Wagner, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. So, uh, first things first, uh, for those, you know, especially us on Oahu who really think Honolulu and Oahu is the center of the universe, tell us about yourself. Okay, well, let me start back a little bit. I came to Hawaii in, I think it was 80, 89, and I came as a military wife, and I had a young son who was one years old. And I thought I was going to be here for a short time, two years, three years most at the tour of duty. Didn't know that I would end up being divorced and kind of abandoned here. And I was forced to kind of make the best of my life with my children. I had a son and a daughter. And so I found a job at HPD, working as CSI kind of a job, doing crime scenes, and eventually transferred from HPD, Honolulu PD, to Maui PD, in 97 
And one thing led to another, and I'm now working for IT for the county of Maui, and I'm loving it. I love my life on Maui. Um, then why would you want to ruin it by running for office? <laughs> Good question. Um, but it's time for a change, and Maui's going through a lot of transitions. It's a time where so many people are struggling, and our children can't stay at Maui. My children grew up, graduated high school, one from Castle High here on Oahu, and the other from Baldwin High School, and they both now live in the mainland. They just can't find jobs. They can't afford to live in the islands. And so I think with what's happening to me and with my friends, we're all experiencing the same thing. And we need to make it affordable for our children and our friends to live on the islands, and especially on Maui, because it's ridiculous. But also the residents, the average resident on the island just cannot afford to live and make ends meet. You talk about what Maui needs, what Wailuku needs. Uh, it sounds a lot like what we're facing here on Oahu. You know, um, jobs do not pay well enough. Kids got to go to the mainland to find work. Uh, what would you do differently? What would your platform be if you were a member of the Hawaii House of Representatives? Well, one of the things that I hope to prioritize is making residents a priority. Because right now, I think a lot of the things that we do are incentivize or they prioritize our visitors and we yeah we rely upon the visitor industry as our livelihood and you know our economy is one of the best in the nation because of that however it's time to change things up a little bit our residents have to be the priority if we want to maintain um, our residents to be able to live here as I said children are moving away and what's going to happen when the visitors come here and there's nobody to provide the services that they come to expect. The workforce just can't afford to live here. The pay is just not enough to keep people employed to make sure that they can afford to buy milk and bread at the grocery store. It's, it's just really getting out of hand, and we need to prioritize the needs of our residents. So what would you do specifically when you say prioritize the needs of our residents? Do you have any, any plans or ideas, any, anything that you're thinking right now, this is a day one issue for me? Well, one of the things I hope to do is work with um, developers, and I hate that word, but we do need their help to kind of prioritize housing for the workforce and make it truly affordable, because that's a word that's tossed around a lot, but it really doesn't mean affordable for the workers. It means market rates, and we need something better than that. So if that means subsidizing um, home ownership for our residents, then that's what we need to do as legislators and as government um, people. We have to make that change, because if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. And if we don't do it now, it's going to be too late. Our good friend Nate Hicks, who is the executive director of Living Wage Hawaii, uh, he was on in episode 14, and he mentioned he's putting together a list of all the candidates in all the different races across the state who, who support a living wage. So we're going to do some of his hard work for him. Mary, do you support a living wage? Yes, I do. And I signed up for Nate's uh, proposal. My name should be on his website if you check. Um, absolutely. And if you think about it, $15 an hour is not very much. And it is not affordable living wages for people here. And I think it was recently declared that on Oahu, for a family of four, if you're making 86000 that's still um, not enough to survive on. So it's like you're still living in, um, I'm not sure the right word, but you can't survive. For a family of four, $86,000 a year. 
it's not enough. When you look at what the cost of housing is, if you look at what it costs to go to the grocery store, I mean, you just have a cart with maybe a few items and it's already over $100. Things are just really getting out of reach for our residents and I want to make a difference for them and make that change. A lot, of, a lot of what you're saying I think would resonate with anybody anywhere in the state and probably most of the country as well. What makes Maui and Wailuku, which you hope to represent, uh, what's something about Maui and Wailuku that we here on Honolulu don't know? Well, I think you face the same things, but it's to varying degrees. And I think it's new for Maui and for Wailuku area that we're starting to see traffic jams and that we're starting to see the congestion that we do. Even in the schools, we have a brand new school that's less than five years old, I believe, for Pu'ukukui Elementary School. It's already 100% max capacity. And it doesn't take long before everything is overcrowded, it's overpopulated, and we're just not doing a good job of planning for the growth that we're seeing on the island. And most of the homes that are sold, of course, they're at market value. There's people from the mainland that are moving here or some location offshore, and yet they're able to afford the prices that local residents cannot even begin to touch. And they're the ones that come, which is fine, but what do we do for our residents? We have to take care of our residents. And we need to do more as far as our schools for the residents and our local keiki. And again, the housing. we got families that are living on top of each other in these very small units. And it's not a quality of life situation, and I think it should be better. And these are the people, again, that are providing all of the service on a day-to-day basis for the tourists that come here to visit and live in luxury. Who's doing that? Who's providing the water and the police services that they come to rely upon? It's the workforce, the average workers. And we got to do something about that to take care of those people to make sure that they can continue to live here in the island. One of the things, or one of the ways you first came to our attention is you've put out a petition sort of relating to some of the things going on at the Hawaii State Capitol. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. Well, one of the things that I think that's happening with the Me Too movement is that we have women who have been victimized, but nothing is being done to protect these women, to make sure that their stories are being heard, and that changes are being implemented to make sure that it doesn't happen to the next generation of women. And what we see is that if it's a prominent male, especially someone in the position of authority, as was with our legislator, um, then people want to shame the women. How dare they come forward and tell their stories and, you know, shame this man? Well, what about what he did to these women? He acknowledges and admits that he violated the rights of these women. He admits that he sexually harassed these women. So what's happening to protect the women? Is there a timeline so that this story never dies? I don't care how long it's been, if a woman decides to come forward, if she finally musters the courage to come forward to tell her story, there shouldn't be like a statute of limitations. She should be able to tell her story whenever she can. And I think that she should be heard, she should be protected, and there should be consequences for the men who have violated these women. And that's what I hope to do, is to make sure that they get exposed. Right now, the legislator has it so that they don't share the names of people who have been accused of sexual harassment. They protect them. But what are they doing to make sure that it doesn't happen again? Nothing that I see.
tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about your stance on the environment and environmental protection. Um, you know, we saw the legislature, they just banned um, oxybenzones and sunscreen. Um, certain pesticides are coming up for, for banning. Uh, they're pushing the styrofoam ban bill, which uh, was it Sylvia Lucas killed two years, three years, ten years in a row. You know, and this is something that uh, we know in our mind, native, uh, neighbor island voters are very concerned about this usually. So what, what are your thoughts on environmental protection, environmental stewardship? And that's one of the reasons I'm very proud about Maui and the, the actions of the community there because they get real involved and they make sure their voices are heard. And I think we have to be mindful of the fact that we are an island community. We have very limited resources. And if we don't protect the Aina, the very limited land that we have and the water resources and everything, we have to do that and we have to do it together because, again, limited. It's a very limited resource and we have to protect the land and the land is our it's our home and we rely upon it for everything so it, it's imperative that we take care of the aina so before the interview started uh we were sort of chatting and you mentioned that uh this is a four-person open race i believe uh for speaker suki's seat is that right uh what separates you from the other three people running for that seat well, there are three who have actually filed their papers in addition to myself. There's a couple other that have pulled their papers, so we won't know until the deadline on June 5th if they actually are going to be running. But at this point in time, I think the distinguishing characteristics between myself and, and my opponents, I'm first of all, I'm the only woman that will be running for this race. I think I'm the only one that's not connected in some way to the old boy network the old powers that be. Some might say that's a disadvantage for you. It may be for in some eyes, but in the eyes that matter to me, I think that's a, an advantage. It's a very big advantage because the people who have those connections, they're kind of beholden to the people with the power, if you will. But I think it's a matter of just reaching, to, reaching the voters because that ultimately are the ones that will make the decision of who gets to this position and I think that um, I have what it takes to do this job and I feel like my 40 plus years of experience working in the public sector is going to get me there and it's going to make me able to deliver the needs that the community really needs because they need change. We've had this position that's been filled um, for 36 years by the same person. That's a long time. And not much change happened in those 36 years. And I think that Maui and Wailuku District 8 is looking for change. And I'm the person that can bring the change that they're looking for. And are you actively raising funds? And if so, how would people be able to support your campaign for our Maui listeners? Well, yes, I am. Um, you know, we all have to abide by the state campaign spending laws. and So no envelopes full of cash out there, Maui people. <laughs> that's exactly right. But if anyone wanted to donate to my campaign, they can do so on my website, maryformaui.org. Now my website, I have an ActBlue account that people can donate. And um, again, we're trying to do everything in compliance with our state campaign spending laws. So there's some information you need to... Um, provide, and then you can make your donation online. Can I ask you just a quick campaign finance ethics question? This is just a, a pass-fail 
If I gave you $18,000, would you report it to the Campaign Spending Commission, yay or nay? Well, I couldn't accept it. The, That's the right answer. The individual amount, the limit that you as an individual could contribute to my campaign is $2,000. If nine people gave you $2,000, would you report it? Yeah, each individual is reported because their information is captured on the website through ActBlue when they try to, or when they do, uh, make donations. Congratulations, Mary. You passed that test. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mary Wagner running for uh, Resign in Disgrace Speaker Joe Suki's seat on Maui and Wailuku. Uh, Mary, thank you so much for being there. You know, you know her candidacy can stand on its own merits, too. Shoutouts. Shoutouts. This week's shout-out, starting out with High Design Barber and Lounge, uh, our main man, Kalik Rashad, the barber god. Clean me up good. Check him out on Mauna Kea yep. Street. He's a, uh, just for the story on that, uh, Kalik is a uh, disciple, I guess you could say, of Mojo Barbershop. Yep. I uh, worked there for a long time. He was pretty famous there. I remember I, I used to get my hair cut at Mojo, and uh, it was always a really long wait to get in with Kalik. And now he's, he's, he's hanging his own shingle out on Mount Akea Street in Chinatown. I just got my haircut there. Looks great. Uh, Best haircut I've ever seen you have. Thank you. Yeah. yeah he gave me, like, uh, it's a cool setup. They got a foosball table. They've got, like, a jam band area with, like, a drum set, guitars, bass, if you want to, like, come play. Just come shred. Yeah. Um, can't say just enough. Just hang out. Can't say enough good things. And we're hoping to do, uh, we'll be doing a chat with him and his business partner eventually and we'll for sure we'll introduce you uh share their story um maybe even do it live and like have a party and bring some cameras yeah if you go in mention the blue hawaii podcast uh, i'm sure click will cut you a deal he he may not he'll be like what are you guys talking about and yeah, just be like that, that guy the tall jewish guy josh the guy with the big head yeah you gave him the haircut yeah and then he'll be like oh yeah that guy he seemed you, cool you know what you do have a big head but it's a good looking head Thank you. Yeah, I have, a, uh, I have a small head. Big head, big dreams. That's right. Big heart. Yeah, big, a big head full I, uh, of big dreams. I like to think of myself uh, as, you know, the James Brown, they said the hardest working man in showbiz. Yeah. The hardest working neck in showbiz. <laughs> what about, uh, do you remember that movie, was it Simon Finch? No. The one from like the early 2000s? Oh, with, um, it was, had the, with, uh, what's his name? Had the, the short guy, it was like a kid and they like, I think he had, I think he had dwarfism or something like that. And he had like his, they made a joke about his giant head. That's um, but I did, I just think of, I did just think of Michael Fassbender. He's wearing like that big paper mache head. What's that movie called? Uh, I never actually saw it, but I've seen, I was, I was Frank. It. Yeah. It wasn't that good. I watched it. <laughs> so we, I didn't miss anything? Yeah. Don't watch Michael okay. Fassbender and Frank. It wasn't that good. He's got better roles. Although I think you see his dong in that movie. So if you're into that, I, shout out Frank. From Michael what Fassbender. I hear, from what I hear, Michael Fassbender has a very nice dong. <laughs> You don't get that far in Hollywood without having at least a, a pretty nice dong. Also, shout out Reup843, rapper and Lyft driver extraordinaire, performed with Takashi69 at Hawaiian Bryan's. Check him out. It's not every day like you're you're making small talk with your Lyft driver. He's like, oh, I'm a rapper, and then you check out his Instagram page, and like he's like a legit rapper. He can, yeah, like he's doing shows. He's got gigs. Reup843, R-E-U-P843 on Instagram, Twitter. Go check him out. Also. Shout out to the Pacific Rim International Futsal Cup, June 1st through 3rd at 808 Futsal in Kapolei. This is going to be a big international event. Uh, futsal players from around the world. If you what don't is know what, futsal? Futsal is basically the an indoor shrunk down version of soccer. Um, 
made the, famous by the resilience. opening credits uh, or opening sequence of uh, Trainspotting. You know, I've never actually seen Trainspotting. It, again, I didn't like it that much. Uh, I've been meaning to. A little nihilistic. Uh, I mean, I'm not big for nihilism. It, I mean, heroin in Scotland, like, you don't, yeah. I, I wouldn't blame anybody for being a little nihilistic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so on an indoor, indoor smaller ball, um, footwork and technique and skill is more emphasized. Um, Isn't that where Ronaldinho got discovered, was playing futsal? Uh, he probably, yeah, that yeah. would make sense. I know, I think Fat Ronaldo did as well, the original Ronaldo. Mm. Like a lot of these, a lot of these Brazilian. Fat Ronaldo. Yeah, the, is that what they call him? That's that's one way of differentiating between him and Cristiano. <laughs> What's the other way? Just OG, Ugly Ronaldo. OG Ronaldo. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's... He's not a particularly handsome man, but it doesn't matter. Ronaldinho was not that good looking. No, um, but then he got his, he got a bunch of veneers. And he looked all right. Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, but anyway, so we're hoping to uh, catch up. Yeah, yeah, and broadcast from the futsal arena. Maybe meet some players. Check it out. Uh, building a soccer legacy in Honolulu. Not bad. It's officially was it? It's FIFA approved. Yeah. Our, the 808, 808 futsal in Kapolei. I don't know what they replaced, but. There is apparently we have a we have a legit futsal arena. Hopefully it's not the trampoline park because I yeah. really liked I trampoline. Or, or was it the go kart place? I never went there. Uh, That's probably if it is, it's probably them. You need a lot of space. I they also imagine. do free skill clinics, optional tours. There's a free shuttle bus between Waikiki and the arena, and a free beach bus between the arena and well the beach. Pacific Rim folks, if you're listening to this, we're giving you so much free PR. You better you better shout us Please out. Please reciprocate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and last shout out, uh, Damian Monarch Baseball on their school's first major state championship. Who'd they beat? Uh, I don't know. You know, I didn't get that far. Hawaii but. is very good at baseball. Yeah. Like, we have a lot of famous people. You know, sta- in the pros. I mean, Stadium Park down yeah. by Eisenberg. Like, that used to be a legit baseball stadium. Like, we had professional baseball here for a long time. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, and it's culture, culture too, like culturally, like it's very important, especially Japanese Americans mm-hmm. kill it. They kill it at baseball. They do. Uh, well, Colton Wong, but he's Chinese. Also, kill, oh, I love that. Uh, like, good for him. Local boy done good. But also, Colton, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting picked off against the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I understand that was probably one of the hardest moments of your career and life, but I very much enjoyed it. Thank you. According to Nick Abramo from Hawaii World Prep about the Damian Monarch baseball team, it was Damian's first state crown in a so-called major team sport. The school's four previous state championships were won in what are considered minor sports, boys bowling in 1988 and 93, and boys cross country in 69 and 70. Uh, And I'd have to agree, those do sound like minor sports. As a former high school bowler. Were you really? Yeah. Were you on the bowling team? You got to do what you got to do to get that PE credit. You were on the, oh, I thought you meant you were on the bowling team. I was on the bowling team. For real? Yeah. There was a very low barrier to entry. Like, it's very fair to call it a minor sport. How did, uh, what was your score? The best I ever bowled. I never, I never, like, I was on the bowling team. I never even cracked two. Where did you even bowl? You you hop on the bus. Either you go to Shafter, like one of the bases. Um, while I bowl before it closed down, we went there a lot, mm. which was a lot closer. Um, where was that? Uh, Bacahala Mall. I was never here for that. I don't uh, think. Um, I want to say my personal best is this is pathetic. It's like a one eighty or something. That's not bad. I was, you know, it's better than mine. I didn't. Uh, I don't think I internalized any of those lessons though. So if you asked me to like pick up a bowling ball right now, I probably couldn't crack a hundred. Oh my gosh, I'm awful at bowling. But it's good uh, fun though. So we, I gotta learn how to play golf. Oh god, I want to 
play golf. I feel like once you learn to play golf, you get money. Yeah. And I listeners I learned listeners, if you can avail us of your golfing expertise. Yeah, if anybody wants to golf take with us, us golfing. let us know. Jeez. Well, well we're fun. Yeah. You you're gonna have more fun golfing with us than you would if you were just golfing by yourself. And you're almost guaranteed to win. So if you're yeah. competitive, yeah, this is a this is a twofer, maybe yeah. a threefer. And especially if we can like live mic on the field and. Oh yeah. What about restaurant shoutouts? You got one this week? Oh, where have I? Where did I eat this? Um, did we get? Have we shout out TJ's Bar and Grill yet? TJ's Bar and Grill. Uh, it's where we had our office. We had a Pauhana nice um bar food cheap beer good very convenient that's pretty much that's all you need for like a good like good bar Mm -hmm. yeah go there kapilani and kapilani and king street uh my shout out for this week is uh nanzan giro giro it is an omikase restaurant at the corner of pensacola and i think kona street okay um I went there last week, last Saturday, for my sixth wedding anniversary. Mazel tov. Uh, salute. And the menu is fantastic. So what I, as I understand it, Nanzan Giro Giro is a international chain. So they don't have many restaurants. I think there's one in Tokyo. There's one in Paris. There's one in Honolulu. And basically, the chefs are just incredible. Uh, I was like six courses for... 60 bucks or something like that uh we got the wine pairing and uh also got the dessert so our meal was i mean it's a good anniversary place or like a really really special occasion because i think our total bill came out to over 200 bucks but yeah it's 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 hot it's hot but not man the food was amazing tj's was not that expensive well it may have been for everybody yeah yeah (laughs) your uh two-person date versus like 15 person office office. yeah (laughs) so yeah shout out nanzan giro giro place is dope nice really really enjoyed it service was great food was great quality was amazing also ate my first ever whole fish i had to bite the head off then i had to eat the tail including eyeballs and everything everything nice Thoughts? it was an experience would you do it again i would prefer not to jordan made it through the head and then she couldn't eat the tail and so i had to eat the tail too for her it was deep fried though it was good it was, it was very interesting i'm glad you uh did not leave enough of a pause in your story for me to make a very inappropriate joke <laughs> well, uh, uh, any other shout outs this week no i think that's it for me shout out to, shout out to listeners shout out to our listeners for oh. bearing with us through this wonderful adventure shout out to uh dolly parton's old house where i was at a party last night here she, yeah she apparently had a house right on kalani and ole like uh just heading back towards town from coco marina and some people that I knew rented it out and we went out there and her place was dope. It was real dope. So shout out to you, Dolly Parton and your house. Uh, also, you know, another thing about Dolly Parton, there's a big wildfire that hit Nashville, not Nashville, Pigeon Forge where Dollywood is. I think we maybe talked about this. She paid for like everybody's bills for like several months. She seems like a good lady. She seems like a nice lady. So, uh, Oh, and then also finally, as always shout out to our sponsor, yeah. Homebrew in Paradise. Yeah, they're okay. They got all the best beer <laughs> making equipment. Yeah. All the best wine making equipment. Yep. All the best kimchi making yep. equipment. Uh, well, not just kimchi. Any kind of fermented food. Any kind of fermented food. Yeah. If you want to know more about it, if you want to get down there and test it out, uh, 20% off if you mention the Blue Hawaii podcast. Go down there. Ask for Bill. Ask for Chris. 
there's nobody else to talk to. It's only them. Uh, Ask for Steve. They'll tell you there's no Steve. There's no Steve. And stop mumbling and get off our property. Homebrew in paradise. They'd be a lot friendlier than that. They're nice. I like them. Yeah. All right. There are definitely worse people. That's all we got. Are they as nice as Dolly Parton, though? They've never paid my bills. What, 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 what the hell is a sponsorship, then? <laughs> Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. His friends would say, stop whining. They've had enough of that. His friends would say, stop pining. There's other girls to look at. They've tried to set him up with Tiffany and Indigo. But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Mary. There's just something about Mary. Well, his friends say, look, life's no fairy tale. That he should have some fun. He's suffered long enough. Well, they may know about domestic and imported ale, but they don't know a thing about love. Well, his friends would say he's dreaming and living in the past, but they've never fallen in love, so his friends need not be asked. His friends would say, be reasonable. His friends would say, let go. But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Mary. There's just something about Mary.